0: Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. This is an interview-style podcast where I talk with musicians, performers, sometimes even wrestlers. I am your host, the Dog. Merry Christmas! Happy holidays! I hope you're having a wonderful break from work. And if you're still working, I hope you get a break real soon. Uh, man. Silly season. It's testing me, man. I ate so much sugar the other day, I actually felt, like, super bad for about, like... You know, a good four hours or so, just awful. My system just isn't used to sugar at the moment. You know, so, uh, it's, it was a good reminder for me to just stick off the, uh, the sugary stuff, watch what I eat and, uh, not try to eat too much rubbish during the coming weeks. Because, you know, you got the family functions, you got the work functions, you got, you know, the, the social outings, and it's very easy to slip into that trap. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll have a beer, I'll have a, you know, vodka, lime and soda, I'll, I'll have a another piece of cake. Oh, man, you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. This week on the podcast, I sat down with drummer uh, Wolfie, Brett Wolferton. Uh, Brett and I went to school, actually. He was a few years above me, but I do remember him at school. And uh, Brett tells some amazing stories from his time touring the world uh, and touring around Australia uh, in different bands. Uh, and he mentions a very interesting story of when he toured Iraq. So uh, stick around for that one. Art of Touring is brought to you every single Tuesday. You can listen to Art of Touring on iTunes or on the Google Podcasts app if you're an Android user. Uh, and remember, Art of Touring is part of the A Lot of Green podcast network and you can check out all of the other awesome podcasts that are on their network at au. there is some coarse language in this week's episode so if you are listening with kids it might be a good idea to throw on uh, tinkerbell in the great fairy rescue it's a disney picture throw it on they'll love it and then once they're dropped off at the pool throw art of touring Back on now. Let's take a moment for this week's sponsor. Episode thirty-six of Art of Touring is brought to you this week by Festivus. Are you distracted by tinsel? Have you got problems with your family that have been building up over the past twelve months, and you'd like to air your grievances in person? Then celebrate Frank Costanza's Festivus, and remember, you better start training now for the feats of strength. What? Well. Nothing, it's a card from my dad. Dear son, happy Festivus? What is Festivus? It's nothing, it's nothing. When George was growing Jerry, up, no. his father did no. all the commercial and religious aspects of Christmas, yeah. so he made up his own holiday. Uh,
1: I'm out
0: of here. Happy Festivus. It's festivus. When George was growing Jerry, up, no. his father. It's nothing. it's nothing. It's a stupid holiday my father invented. It, it, it doesn't exist. Happy Festivus, Georgie. No a new holiday was born a festivus for the rest of us (laughs) and at the festivus dinner you gather your family around and tell them all the ways they have disappointed you over the past
1: year and is there a tree? no, instead there's a pole requires Uh no decoration I find tinsel distracting is that the pole? George, festivus is your
0: heritage it's part of who you are that's why I hate it (laughs) Read that poem. I can't read it. I need my glasses. You don't need glasses. You're just weak. You're weak. Leave him alone. (laughs) Just so you know, Art of Touring is hosted by Wooshka. If you'd like to listen to the Art of Touring on your desktop, you can just Google Art of Touring and follow the links to the Whooshka homepage Before I do get into my conversation, however, with Wolfie, I'd like to share with you some of his music. This is a song uh, called Witch In My Mind. Uh, It's by Davey Lane, and Wolfie is featured here on drums. Check it out. go there's a taste of wolfie's drumming now let's take a listen to my conversation with old mate brett wolfie wolfenden and i'll see you on the other side here we go Welcome everyone, you are listening to the Art of Touring podcast, coming at you from Siriani Studios here in Glorious Epping, it is summertime, I've turned the fan off because it's actually quite pleasant at the moment in the studio, and I'm joined by none other than Brett Wolfenden. how are you Brett? Oh, g'day David, how are you going? I'm good man, I'm good Thanks for having me Thanks for being here man, now I've noticed um, on the uh, on the socials, you've gone and dropped the Wolfenden, and now it's just Wolfie
1: Yes, that has to do with the numerous stalkers that uh, pervade my life. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, that's my nickname, so... Oh, Wolfie's your nickname? Yeah. Oh, there you go. It's what I'm known by around the traps. Mm. And, um, yeah, I thought I'd just shorten it to Wolfie.
0: Oh, that makes sense then. So you don't mind me calling you Brett or Wolfie or anything in between? I don't
1: mind at all. No. You don't mind me calling you Sisdog. Sisdog's good. Yeah? Uh,
0: yeah. I've been using that moniker for, uh, for the podcast purposes because it was given to me um, at my first teaching job. You know, like any, well, not any nickname, but most nicknames, you don't choose them, do you? They get given to exactly you. That's exactly right. You know, so my Especially
1: mate. the worst ones. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't want those <laughs> So Sisdog' it's stuck. Um, well, yeah, uh, where are you from, mate? Where did you grow up? I grew Tell up the in story.
1: I grew up in King Lake West, which is uh, near Whittlesea and Yea in Flowerdale. Yeah. And uh, I grew up there and spent my adolescence there, and that is where I started my drumming. Yeah. And uh, we were on a five-acre property, and there was a separate unit to our house. Right. And that was where my father's mother lived, and when she left, I summarily... Set a drum kit up ah. and uh, I could play to my heart's content
0: how old you were you when you first set it up uh,
1: I reckon about uh, twelve or thirteen years old mm. I reckon around that and um yeah it was just playing that whole time so yeah, uh, nice. and it was good because uh, i I really could just play for as long as I wanted yeah and um
0: well, out in the sticks, man. No one's going to hear you. That's
1: exactly right. Yeah, and that's one of the tough things about being a drummer. It's where do you practice and how do you practice?
0: Yeah, right. It gets
1: a bit easier now because you have electronic drum kits, but you know, there's there's nothing like the sensation of playing an actual drum kit. Yeah,
0: it's a very very different experience. It's a
1: very different experience. I mean, if it's if you're into rudiments and and technique, it's good for your chops and to maintain yeah. your chops. But yeah, it's it's hardly like playing the real thing, is it?
0: Yeah, that's right, man. Mm. Yeah. And so yeah, grew up King Lake West. Now was it an actual farm? that's It wasn't a, a farm, no, it was no? just it
1: was just a large property.
0: Large property. And um, yeah.
1: we'd left by the time those Black Saturday fires occurred, which oh, was in King Lake, but yeah. that hit the central part of King Lake more than our area and right. our house remained intact even after we'd left.
0: Wow, that was lucky. Yes, it was yeah. indeed, yeah. And um yeah, no, that was that was devastating. I, I was I was living here at the time. Yep and um i remember just going out the well where we are right here at the backyard looking out into the um into the sky and it was just this really deep like orange yeah like the whole sky was just mm. this crazy crazy color it was kind of like the whole sky looked like a sunset yeah you know it was yeah. it was bizarre yeah yeah man, it was that's...
1: an awful time and I, yeah the thing i remember most about that is the newsreader brian naylor who had a house in the central part of king lake he stayed mm. on to try and fight the fires and mm.
0: died is that right and yes he did yeah jeez mm. yeah that was that was that was a terrible terrible thing um and even in the states it just happened the grass fires did indeed. in california that's just right. recently yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's you know, we've been on the planet a long time and, you know, it, people kind of forget that we're just visiting, man. Mm. Like, mm. It's, we have nothing to do with what's going yeah. on, you know. Yeah. It's, we're, all just, um, we're all just visiting.
1: And with with the weather as warm as it is now as well, mm. um, you know, it's a bit of a worry because you always think, like, if it's hot now, how hot's it going to get in January and February? Yeah, right. And with that comes the inevitable...
0: Yeah, bushfire bush season fires. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so. crazy shit yeah. and so um yeah growing up in king lake um what what brought you to the drum kit like was there an older family member that kind of got you into music and then you got to the drum kit or you, how did it
1: happen no i think it was just wanting to play an instrument i don't particularly know why i chose the drums yeah but, um you know when you're growing up and if music's an interest that you have you generally have someone in your family who's got the record collection, and my auntie had a great record collection, ah. and um, yeah, so I mean, I've just been able to obtain some of her vinyl records because I just recently bought a a, a new record player, and uh, nice. yeah, I am getting back into it, yeah. which is good. Yeah. yeah, I didn't ever think I would either. Yeah, but, right. um, but you know, it's not it's not so much about the uh, the convenience of uh, of having you know, MP3s and, and and an iPod, but it's just nice to be able to sit there with the record on and
0: yeah, enjoy the record sleeves as well. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. I, I never thought I'd really be into collecting vinyl or anything like that, but, yeah, I got bitten by the bug a few years ago. And, yeah, as you saw when you came into my yeah. house, you were, kind of went straight over there. Yeah. And um, I actually have a very weird um, collection – well, not weird, but – Um, the, the, the one part of my collection that is, is the most kind of, um, strange is I collect cheesecake albums. Do you know what these are? <laughs> no, no. So cheesecake albums is a style of album that was released in the sixties, seventies, even into the eighties. And to, to get people to buy uh, music back then, they just throw a sexy lady on the cover, right? And so um, it could be that you know Klaus Wunderlich uh, and his orchestra, or it could be you know just the kind of orchestral music, or it could be like back then they would do like a top top forty. Um, release, but it wasn't the actual artist. It was like these house bands that got the rights to the songs and then they would record the songs right. and release it as these pop vinyls, you know. And so because it wasn't the actual artist, they would need to put something else on the cover. Guess what? Hire a model. Shoot the photo, and there's your record. And all the lads will go out and buy them. And so, if you go into the op shop or go into you know record stores, um, you can find like these cheesecakes, and that's what I do. Man. Wow. I'll just buy them for like two dollars, and then me and my <laughs> mate will will text each other, "Have you got this one? Yep, got it, got it." <laughs> yeah, so no, I I can um I can totally uh, uh, empathise with your uh, your vinyl addiction because I I am you know also addicted.
1: Yeah, so yeah, initially yeah. I thought it was like uh, it was all the. You know, a bit bit of a hipstery type thing to mm. do that,
0: but it's but it's not. It's just nice mm. to
1: listen to vinyl again. It sounds great. Yeah, it's really cool.
0: And also the the um kind of the ritual of getting choosing one, putting it on. You know, eating mm. dinner, and then it stops, and you have to walk over and put it back That's on. That's right. You know, it's a great thing. And so your auntie had a, a record collection, and and she kind of got you into music. And what kind of music were you listening to when you were growing up?
1: Well, really, I mean. <laughs> my favorite two bands are the Beatles and the Who so mm. i grew up obsessed with the Beatles as a lot of people did yeah. and um yeah my auntie had a few beatle records yeah. and just from there i went and listened to the entire discography and like most people that i know who are massive beatle fans you know that by you know the age of kind of by your mid teens you've digested everything and then you're moving on to bootlegs and you're immersing yourself in all of that stuff and uh, it was the same with The Who, really. My auntie had Meaty, Beaty, Big and Bouncy, which was a compilation. And um, from there, yeah, I just got got in the, the Who deep. And, I mean, I guess my love of Keith Moon is probably what drove me to want to play the drums, especially mm. to actually observe his playing as well, because he put his character into, into his drumming style. He was less technically... wasn't so technical. Yeah, um, yeah. A- and... Uh, you know, I mean, that, that's what made him so good. His style was unique to himself. And, I mean, you couldn't right. get away with playing now in a mainstream band that was going to be on radio, not that I'd want to listen to too many, but <laughs> but you wouldn't be able to play like that and get away with it now no, because a producer would just say, no way. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah, um, yeah so that that was it, really. They it was. The they were the bands. two bands. I mean, yeah. obviously, like, growing up in the 80s as well, I mean, there still was good... Contemporary music out there, mm. and I would I would be listening to things, but yeah. it was always the Beatles and the Who for me, and I just absorbed that yeah. for, for really my entire adolescence before right. I moved on and started listening to other things. Yeah, and it got pretty nerdy, like it, you know, <laughs> as nerdy as it could get then too, because it was so hard to find.
0: Yeah, no a lot internet. Of,
1: a, yes, and that's exactly right. So, yeah. um, you know, without harping on that too much, but yeah, yeah it yeah. was just so much harder then to 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 find footage and I mean I remember I went to a a mobile library that had a video cassette of Who's Better Who's Best which was a compilation that came out in the late 80s which right. was about 10 or 11 clips of the Who. Yeah. And that was the first time that I actually saw
0: what they were doing Yeah, on stage. the the, the, yeah. the visual
1: thing because you just couldn't get it you couldn't yeah. just walk into a no. in, in into a store and there was a film called The Kids Are All Right which is arguably the best rock film of all time. Check it out if you haven't seen it. Mm. But I remember finding that and being very surprised that I did find it just on a VHS tape. Nice. And that just opened the door a little bit more because that was about an hour and a half's worth of footage. Yeah. But it's a great film.
0: It's interesting how you can kind of look back and see those kind of markers in your life. Like, yep, that that certainly led to this and that yes. led to this and yeah, yeah especially yeah. musically and, and being inspired absolutely um and so you said you started drumming at around 12 or 13 i did and
1: then i stopped for a bit because i was very sport oriented uh at that time and mm. what and did you play i was i played afl football yeah. and i played basketball regional basketball as well um which was cool and and you know did did a did a few things there and um Represented the Diamond Valley League. You're going to cut all this out because I.
0: Remember, yeah. <laughs> <And> there's no <laughs> editing, man. It's all goes straight through. Diamond Valley, the, 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 the in Greensboro. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah the, playing the, basketball.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, th- that was that was for football. Yeah, we went up oh, to. Footy, um, yeah, 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 We went up to and, and played a team up there and all that. So you know, yeah, a good time doing that stuff. And then I think just as I was finishing high school, yeah, I really just thought, yeah, I don't really want to play sport anymore. I just want to play drums and I want to get in yeah. a band and you know, at at high school because I had such I guess acquired tastes really, it was I didn't have too many people there that I could relate to and um yeah. and uh I was always looking out of high school to meet people my age who are into the music in an obsessed way that I was. Sure, yeah. Um but you know, you don't think you're gonna meet people like that but you try and all the people that I did know were older anyway mm. because they had the same tastes as me so yeah man yeah i kind
0: of had a similar experience even at school like when i was in year nine all my mates were in year 12 mm. because they were listening to the same music that i liked whereas the the kids in my year level didn't weren't really into rock Mm. you know Mm. more into pop stuff Mm. or whatever they were listening to so um because we went to the same school
1: we did indeed we
0: did yes and so but you where did you go to primary school
1: i went uh, the main campus at Ivanhoe.
0: Oh, okay. We, yeah. I did that as well. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I remember you, you there too. The, yeah. And
1: I remember your brother Andrew there as well. Yeah. And then... I left to go to Mernda, which was yeah. the, uh, and that's where we went to school again. That's together. right. But yeah. I was a guinea pig in that first year.
0: So you were actually the very in the very first year yeah, level, which was
1: all about eighty students. Yeah, yeah. And
0: yeah. so then, by the time I got there, the school I think was three years old. So you were in year ten, and I was in year seven. So seven, eight, nine. Oh, maybe you were in year nine. Yep. Or ten, or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, because I, I remember the very first musical that I did at um, Mernda was Oliver. And you played Fagin.
1: And I played Bill Sykes. Sorry, Bill Sykes, sorry.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was just like a workhouse kid, man. Just doing, doing the, can I ask for some more porridge and all that? <laughs> but I wasn't Oliver or nothing like that. I was yeah. just one of the little runts, you That's know? That's right. Um, and then, uh, did you do any other musicals after that? Or that was your only one that you did? That was that the did? last one that, that I did. One, I'd done, yeah.
1: in the first year, I'd been the lead in um, the play that we did, and I can't remember what it was called. Mm. But yeah. So I only did a couple. Just a couple? Yeah. I kept saying to Mr. Caroline, let's do the Rocky Horror Picture Show. (laughs) Did you really? (laughs) Yeah, that that was really going to (laughs) fly.
0: Can you imagine a high school doing that? (laughs) Actually, I remember there was a bloke. I'm not sure you remember him or not. There was a guy called Nick O'Shea. I do remember him. Do you remember Nick? And he did, um, I think we did like a a performance night one night, and he actually went out and sang um, science fiction. Oh, very good.
1: Uh, yes, Double Feature. Double Feature, yeah.
0: yeah. And I I wasn't a fan of Rocky Horror. I didn't know what the hell he was singing about. I'm like, what's this gear, you know? <laughs> and then he showed me one, one week, and I'm like, man, this stuff is wild. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, there you go. And so so you weren't really... I mean, you did the musicals and that in high school, but you weren't really playing in bands. No. No, no not at all. Not no. until you left school.
1: I mean, living in King Lake was quite isolating, really. I mean, like, mm. you know, it wasn't like you could just... Because it was like 30 or 40 minutes out of town, so,
0: yeah, you right. know, you
1: don't, um, I mean, I don't have a driver's license at that age, so no. I can't just, you know, dri- drive off and, and do gigs really, yeah. you know. Yeah, and
0: sport obviously was more accessible because That's right. it was part of school it's and everything part of school. and you could yeah. still get that outlet happening and then you figured, well, I'll just pursue the music once I leave school. That
1: was pretty much it, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and then it all began.
0: Yeah, and so what did you do that very first year when you left, did you... Just go to work first and then did music on the weekends? or
1: Yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, I was just working. And it's funny because the first thing that I really wanted to do was to just, because I loved The Who so much, I just wanted to get a Who tribute band together. Is that right? And I mean, the, the whole idea behind that was I figured if I could meet some people who were my age or into The Who, maybe it will lead to something else. Yeah. And as it happened, my good friend at the time he was a guitar player so he played guitar and um we advertised and we ended up finding a couple of guys but they were much older mm. and we did one show at the Armadale hotel and it was interesting because at that night i met a couple of guys there who were big fans of the who mm. and they were you know they went deep on the knowledge so anytime i i knew i was dealing with someone who knew their shit i mm. would uh i would uh, i would gravitate them. towards them yeah and one of the guys ended up being a songwriter. Mm. So I ended up being in a band briefly with him, which was a good experience from from that. Uh, from that meeting, I ended up, through mutual friends, meeting Davey Lane, who's still, you know, well, he's my best mate. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah uh, through through him, um, yeah, I ended up meeting Dave, and that's really where it all began um, mm. in terms of, you know, Playing original stuff and and getting the uh getting the show on the road really and getting getting out there
0: was that um the pictures
1: that was the pictures yes yeah right on yeah so I was I was playing a um and that was with Davey that was with Davey yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I was playing a, a battle of the bands at La Trobe University hmm. um in this band that I'd met these guys after the Who tribute night gig and um yeah Dave ended up coming with um with them and uh we did the show and he saw me drum and then we had a chat and then and because he's a similar age of me we just went like we started talking about the who straight away and then we just went straight to like uh concert dates and particular songs played at you know it got Whoa. super obscure and yeah and i'm going oh this guy knows his stuff and yeah. um yeah and then from there we you know we just exchanged numbers and um you know started hanging out that was about that was 99 sometime in 99 i'm pretty sure okay cool and um yeah i'd i'd been told that he was in UMI <laughs> yeah right and i'm like he's not in UMI yeah. yeah he's not in UMI and i mean this was just slightly before i had any access to the internet so i didn't really know yeah. um whether he was or not and i really had no way of checking as much as i did love UMI sure um I think he'd only been in the band like three or four months. Right. They'd recorded a live album called Saturday Night Round 10, which hadn't come out yet, but that was the first thing David recorded with them. Ah. Um, And I remember I was at home one night and the phone rang and Dave's like, what are you doing now? And I said, oh, I'm just at home. And he said, oh, put your television on the ABC. And... um, I put the tally on and it In was stadium. it was episode one of the ten thirty slot. It was the very first episode of that show, which was the recovery remember the show Recovery, obviously, yeah. yeah they yeah, they, with they Dylan Lewis. Yeah, then what they did was when recovery finished they did a show called the ten thirty slot as a spin off.
0: Oh and,
1: and Dylan was on that as well. Right. And I think that was Dave's first Television performance. Uh-huh. I may be wrong. With UMI. With UMI, and they opened the show. Wow. Um, yeah, so. Yeah. Oh, I went, oh, he is in UMI. There he yeah. yeah. go. <laughs> Wonderful.
0: Yeah. You, you, thought you, you thought he was stitching you up.
1: I thought he was stitching me up. <laughs>
0: Until you got that phone call. Yeah. And yeah. Threw on the telly. Hey, there's my mate. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that it would have been a surreal experience, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he toured with Tim. When Tim brought his solo record out, called "What Rhymes with Cars and Girls," and he'd done the tour in the Twin Set band, right? But I never saw those shows, um, so I, I wasn't aware of Dave. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm, but yeah, that's how it all came about.
0: And so you joined that band with Dave. So he was playing with the Pictures, and yes, you and he I was. At the time? Uh,
1: well, we, well, we decided to form a band together. Okay. And then what happened was, was um, he gave me a demo of songs that he'd written. Mm. Um, there was about 10 or 12 on there, and I was just blown away. Yeah, cool. And, I mean, even then, he was just a very, very good songwriter. Yeah. Um, and then we we met someone at La Trobe University who had a studio there, and he he became our manager, and he recorded us. And, um, yeah, I was just blown away watching Dave. Just, um, I mean, I, I distinctly remember one time we were just in the studio there, and he was going to lay down a solo mm. an overdub and i just sat there and just watched him just play the hell out of the solo and i just went wow well, how good's this guy yeah, so right on. and that was that was all the way back then he just he, i mean he's he's developed and evolved and become an even better musician mm. um, vocalist songwriter but i mean he was pretty damn solid back then you know mm.
0: uh,
1: really really impressive
0: and yeah. you were thinking oh i'm just gonna hold on to this gig trying to like you know it was, well, but, i mean because you're friends but, as well but, but. well that's
1: the thing i mean we were mates yeah. first and foremost first, yeah. and, and and you it's know a very and,
0: cool thing to be able to start a band with a mate
1: that's exactly right mm. um and i think just because we had that synergy of similar influences mm. we instantly knew what we were and then we really we were just trying to be the who right. in, the, in the early days and then yeah. obviously it evolved but Yeah. Um, It's funny because we just did reunion shows recently. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I mean, um, Ash Santilla from 67 Special, if you remember them, Mm -hmm. uh, he was unfortunately diagnosed with cancer. And so a benefit show was put together, and uh, we were asked if we wanted to do it. And we thought, well, we don't, we never really thought that there was any desire to reform. And. but we thought for this, you know, this is yeah. the right thing to do it for. So sure, yeah. we did. And yeah. um, Where was that? That was at the Gasometer.
0: Oh, the Gaso. Yeah. yeah great venue.
1: Yeah, it's a great venue. Mm. So that was really cool. Yeah, nice. hmm
0: and so um, Davies in the band, and then who, who else like rounded well, out? Well, originally
1: the... it was my friend Lee White from high school. But no shit. Yes, Lee was in that band Mr. for a couple Lee of White. years. Yeah, <laughs> I mean Lee is a very talented musician. Yeah, um, and his influences were more kind of eighties, seventies, and eighties hard rock. So you Ted Nugent's and, yeah. and Mister Biggs.
0: Wasn't Lee a massive Star Wars fan as well? He was indeed. Yeah. Oh, I remember yeah. going to his place once Yeah, and I just saw all this original Star Wars stuff and I just yeah. freaked out. I'm like, Lee, look at your collection, yeah. mate. Yeah. Because because it was like a, a bit of a disconnect because I'm, you know, three years younger than you guys. Yeah. I didn't have any Star Wars toys. Right. Because it was all gone and finished you by the time. Just yeah. missed out. But just that extra three years, you guys were still in that like area yeah. where you could still kinda get it.
1: Yes. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, sorry to bring it back to Star Wars. No, that's all right. That's <laughs> just fine. like Lee White, <laughs> yeah. love and life with that Star Wars collection. Yeah. So he played the guitar.
1: No, he played bass. Oh, he played we bass. We were a three-piece, yeah.
0: Oh, just a three-piece? Yeah. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then
1: Lee left, and um, we put an ad out, and someone called Luke Thomas joined the band. He'd played in a band in Brisbane called Lavish that had signed a deal, and they'd done a few things. I mean, that even... Been on Hey Hey It's Saturday, yeah, and uh, it all kind of went bad for them. And he moved to Melbourne, and he just happened to see the ad in Beat Magazine, and he came and auditioned, and he was the guy. He was the guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you just do start like doing some touring and stuff with that band. We did.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it got busy pretty quickly, and um, you know, it, it it certainly helped having having Dave's um, connection. In the with band. UMI. Yeah. yeah. Um so when you and I weren't playing, we were generally busy and yeah. yeah, we did a we did a lot of shows, we did a lot of touring and um Would
0: would you like support you and I sometimes on shows? No, no, really? that never
1: happened. That was never no. going to be a thing. No, no. And and we certainly wouldn't have wanted to anyhow. Yeah, right. Um, uh
0: because he was in both bands. So it yes, wouldn't really make yes. any sense, would it? Yeah no, yeah. no, that makes sense. Not
1: at all. And we were, we were pretty green as a band anyway. Yeah. Um but yeah, geez, we we supported a lot of artists. Um, yeah, we really did.
0: Yeah, you were so. Did you go like? Um, so was there an like an initial release that you said, okay, let's go on the road to support this release? No, it or? wasn't
1: really like that. No, uh, we just we just recorded a couple of EPs and shows would 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 get offered us. And, yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, who do we? We played with lots of bands. Um pacifier. Oh, yeah, Johnny Marr and the Healers. Uh, we did. Actually, uh, one of my the more memorable gigs that we did is when Jimmy Eat World were out here for the big day out, we did their side shows in Melbourne and Sydney. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget the Sydney gig because our music wasn't really um, well-matched for Jimmy Eat World. Yeah, they're more
0: like pop-punk kind of stuff. They are, yeah. yeah. But they had yeah. a big
1: song at the time called The Middle,
0: they I think. Do, yeah, yeah, I do it at almost every acoustic show. Yeah, right. <laughs> I okay. love that song. Yeah, cool. We also had a great song called um Sadie Hawkins dance as well I heard never heard that no. one uh, in the states it's a thing where the the girls get asked by the um sorry that the girls ask the guys to the dance and it's the Sadie Hawkins dance so right if you want to go to the dance with the Girl at high school, you have to wait to be asked, right? Kind of thing, and they wrote a song about it. And it was very similar, like to the middle. Like it was really catchy. Okay, it was kind of one of those singles. But yeah, yeah cool. go, go on with what you were saying with um, the Sydney show.
1: Yeah, it was because we done the Hi Fi Bar with them, which is now Max Watts, yeah, and that, and that was fine. Um, and then we did this show and at the Metro in Sydney, and uh, it seemed quite tense in the sound check, and we weren't sure what was going on with them, and. Um, we played we played our show and we were quite happy with it just because we kind of felt we'd won the crowd over as much as we were going to. Sure, yeah. Um, and then they came out and started playing, and about halfway through the show, they were literally playing a song. They're in the middle of the song. The drummer just threw his drumsticks behind his head. Yeah. And walked off. <gasps> and we're we're standing at the side what? of the stage and we're going, shit.
0: What's going on? And
1: um, so everyone walked off, and um, the lead singer came out and just started going on a bit of a rant about how he wasn't happy with his country and, you know... His the, own country. The, the Afghanistan thing and, and going to war. And um, I think it's because there was something in the news at the time related to that. I can't specifically remember what it okay. was. But he just went on a rant and he just apologised and just... um. Said, we're not gonna play anymore. And that was it. And he walked off and he and honestly he went on a rant that went for about ten to fifteen minutes and Jeez. it was just he was just talking and, and And
0: people had paid to see the show. And people had paid to
1: see the show. And then I remember at the end we're yeah. in the bowels of the metro where you park and he actually had a separate car to the other three band members and and we saw him, like, crouch down in the back seat so when they drove out, no one would see him. Mm. So he must have been doing it hard for a particular reason at that point in time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was
1: just a very odd experience. Far out, man. Yeah. That was I haven't
0: never heard of anything like that.
1: Yeah, we were just dumbfounded when he just... The drummer just literally threw, threw the sticks the drum behind sticks. him. Midway through the song and just walked off.
0: And then and then he wasn't the one who did the rant. It was no. the
1: singer that yeah.
0: came out and instead he did he apologize at any point
1: uh, he did but he did apologize yeah but yeah then he just proceeded to to say to do why, this rant. yeah why he was um not feeling it at not the moment feeling yeah
0: it. like we're not going to do any more tunes but yeah. i'm going to tell you how i'm feeling yeah, right now pretty much yeah maybe in his way he was like oh well at least if they're not going to get any more music at least i can kind of give them some kind of monologue of what's going on in his head at the time, think, or something. I like, think
1: that was his justification. justification for it. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, look. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if the band behind me is just quitting, I'm. I probably would have just grabbed a guitar and just done a couple of songs for yes, the crowd. Yeah. But I guess he wasn't in the mindset. I don't to do think he that. was in the mindset. No, no. yeah, and, and that's, that's why. Full on, man. It
1: was. It was very interesting. Yeah, it really mm. was. But um we kind of went, "Hey, uh, yeah." Yeah. I, I reckon we were better than Jimmy Eat World tonight. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you did a whole show without <laughs> that's exactly without right. you throwing the drumsticks. <laughs> <point. laughs>
1: there you go. Yeah, that was that was Whoa. a memorable, another memorable gig for me that we did in the pictures was we opened for Johnny Marr and the Healers when yeah. they were here because to Johnny support Marr Pearl Jam. Y- Oh, okay, really? Yeah, so so they did like a sideshow in Melbourne. And, and it was, you opened it up was for us them. and Johnny Marr and the Healers.
0: Because forgive me for my poor music knowledge, but isn't Johnny Marr from another band?
1: A band called The Smiths.
0: Okay, yes, yes. so those guys, A right. legendary
1: UK band. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the drummer was Ringo Starr's son, Zach Starkey.
0: Right. And he was already in, in The Smiths or in Johnny Marr and the Healers? No, in Johnny
1: Marr and the Healers. Okay. And he was already uh, in The Who at that point in time. Oh who wow. yeah. So it was a double whammy for me, being yeah. that it was Zach, yeah. and so we were actually thinking, I wonder if Eddie's going to show up at this show." And he actually w- went and played with him in Sydney.
0: Oh, you yeah. missed out! Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, that that was great because
0: because I saw that that tour. Oh uh, right, I cool. saw the Melbourne show. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think at that time. I. Because I went pretty crazy. Because for you, for The Who and The Beatles, it was Pearl Jam for me. Uh, that was like the band that I obsessed over. Yeah. Like just behind you, you can see the Pearl Jam. I remember. Just, you remember? Yeah. 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 So uh, I didn't know who, who Johnny Marr and the Healers were when, yeah. I, when I saw it. But I was impressed with them. I was like, oh, these yeah. guys, you know, certainly know their stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. it
1: was really cool because Zach brought his drum tech out, mm. who's his drum tech all the time. So that means he drum techs when he plays for The Who. Mm. And after we'd played our set, his drum tech came up to me and he said, oh, it's a shame Zach didn't see this show because you remind me of Keith Moon and he would have loved it.
0: Yeah, and, right. And, I mean,
1: that was quite quite the compliment. And he said, oh, you've got to meet Zach. Yeah, you've got to meet him. So yeah. he took me up and actually introduced me to Zach because it's kind of like, and this is after they played it, but it's it's kind of like, you know, it, it's nice when you have a little in like that because, yeah. you, you know, you don't have to, you know, it's, you just need something like that to... To, to get have the conversation happening. Going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, Otherwise, I just would have said, oh, love your work, Zach, and just left it at that. But, exactly. Um, yeah, to we, kind of pick his brain a little bit. It was fantastic. Yeah. And um, he, John Entwistle, the bass player from The Who, had died not that long ago, so we were talking about that. Mm. And um, also, Pete had had that problem with the, you know, purchasing the uh, the child pornography. For, 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 yeah. and And... You know, I just want to say nothing was ever proven. He was actually doing it for research because he wanted to see what it was going to do. And if you go and check on the internet as well, he was writing a book of which um, it it is online to have a look at. Right. But, but, I mean, they ransacked Townsend's, several of Townsend's homes where he had computers and they found absolutely
0: nothing. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so he wasn't into that stuff. But my old mate was probably in a pretty fragile mindset when you were talking to him. No, 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 he was cool because I think it had all um, been done and dusted by by then, but he was just saying, like, you know,
1: Pete's got nothing to worry about or, you know, um, because he was doing it for research. But we had a great chat, didn't really even talk about his father, and I didn't really want to talk about his father, but I knew that Zach owned, because Keith Moon, I mean, the, the claim to fame is because Keith was close friends with Ringo. Right. Keith did... Show Zach how to play bits and pieces on the drums. Yes. And there are a couple of photos of Zach when he's young with Keith. Mm. And Keith ended up giving Zach uh, a drum kit that he used on a 75 76 tour, which is a beautiful drum kit. um, Wow. And a premier drum kit and um, with gold stands and it was massive. It was a. Yeah, yeah. It was was like a. It it was about. How many pieces was it? It would have been about. 11 or 12 pieces and I had this book with a photo of it and I said to Zach do you still own that kit and he said I had to sell it because um I had some problems with the tax department (laughs) I thought really couldn't couldn't your old man have bowled you out so you could have kept the drum kit yeah yeah but yeah and then after that Zach ended up playing in Oasis for a number of years as well is that right so um
0: wow they get around don't they yeah
1: I met him a couple I met him a couple of times as well when Oasis were doing their thing and um yeah just had a chat to him again and he's a really lovely guy
0: oh that's cool man! yeah it's great when they don't turn out to be dicks that's exactly right (laughs) yeah it's
1: it's one of those things isn't it it really is like the old saying goes you know sometimes you don't want to meet your heroes because Mm. maybe it will compel you to to think of everything in a different light the next time yeah and and you might never never hear it the same way or feel it the same way that's
0: right Mm. yeah and so you with the pictures, and so when what was the next kind of step for you musically? Like, because um, that obviously ended eventually. It did. It ended in
1: 04 for me. I left the band. I mean, ugh, there were just so many good stories. But we ended up, we ended up touring the UK and we opened for the Black Keys. Oh wow! Which was cool. Um, <clears throat>
0: that would have been really hot back in oh three oh four. They but, were yeah yeah.
1: yeah um, it was really cool, and um, we'd ended up. Is it, <laughs> Yeah, it, it was that time, that 03 time, was quite an extraordinary time because the vines had just been massive over in the UK. Yes. And then, off the back of that, for a good year and a half, Melbourne became like I mean, the, the term at the time was New Rock, but right. it, 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 Melbourne, it was like, it was our Seattle moment that will never happen again. Mm. Certainly not on the scale of Seattle. But what happened was, was then Jet knocked on the door. Yes. And, um, I remember I met the Jet guys um, at a UMI show. Right. Um, I met Cam, the guitarist, and he said, "Oh, we love your band. The pictures. You should come and see us." Yeah. So this was this was this was when there was just the, the smallest little bit of bubble up. It still wasn't. And I I went to see them at the Town Hall in North Melbourne. Oh yeah. And there would have been about twenty people there. Right. And I mean, aside from the fact that Nick's voice was, you know, just out of control, brilliant. Yeah. So. Good. Um, the thing that I took away from it too was is that I actually remembered a few of the songs. Right. And it wasn't the obvious one. I didn't remember Are You Going to Be My, My Girl. I remembered Roll Over DJ. Yes. And I also remembered a song called Radio Song, which was on their first LP Open as well. Up. Yeah. Um. So then, you know, we we kind of buddied up with those guys and we ended up doing a bit of touring with them and we ended mm. up having the same management for a while there. Wow. And um, it was just unlike anything you'd ever seen because mm. you had uh, international labels flying out to try and court them, and we had we were in this pub called the Duke of Windsor, which was uh, owned by one of the manager's uh, parents, so the Duke of Windsor became like the place really to play. So it was Dallas Crane, yeah, it was us, and it was Jet. Yes, and you know, and any other bands that played there, but sure, we were yeah. managed by those guys. Yeah, and um, yeah, so from that came a lot of really good, good times and good opportunities, and yeah, we ended up, we ended up signing a deal with a label in the UK called Hut Records, which huh. was a subsidiary of Virgin. Right, and they had the Verve.
0: Oh, yeah, and they had symphony. They,
1: yes, and they had the music as well. Do you remember oh. the music? The People. The People. That was, yeah. They were that just like, yeah, 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 yeah. So what happened was this guy, David Boyd, signed us, and we had an EP in the can, and he wanted to release that. And what happened was is we we had someone from NME fly out and take a photo of us, and the article was the six hottest bands in Australia right now. Whoa. So it was the pictures, it was the Sleepy Jackson, hmm. the Vines, Jet, I can't remember the other ones. Rocket Science was another one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was there was a bit of stuff going on, and then we ended up going over there and, and touring with the Black Keys. And wow. Um, one of the other <laughs> really interesting stories as well was we we were playing in Glasgow, and I don't remember how. That
0: town man, such, yeah, such a cool it town. It was cool. It was cool. Yeah.
1: Um, I don't remember why he was there or how he got to be there maybe it was through david boyd it probably was uh, because he'd done a verve record as well but owen morris who produced the second and third oasis records okay um and he mixed definitely maybe and that was where he became quite well known because Mm. they couldn't find someone to mix that record and then he came in and and just you know next leveled With the process he calls brick walling, but um, (laughs) um, which is just to have everything so loud that it's louder than any other music that's played. If you're uh, if you're spinning records, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But he came to the show in Glasgow, and we knew he was there, and we played, and we thought we had a reasonably good show. And I went to the toilet, and uh, I was in a urinal, and um, he came in, and he was standing beside me, and 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 he said to me, you know, that was. That was a better live than the first time I saw Oasis Live. Whoa. And I mean, look, maybe he was going to be angling to produce our record, which he clearly was. And, um, yeah, uh, it was a nice thing of him to say anyway. Yeah. So he took us out and we had dinner. And, um, then he came to London to see us play because we had our own show there. And, um, he was very, very keen to produce us. And, and then what happened was, was, uh, we get, an email on April Fools, I think in oh, I can't remember what year it was. It could have been '03, mm. and he said um, uh, Virgin's been bought out by EMI, and uh, they're closing down all the subsidiary labels, and they're only taking the ones that they want to take. And um, sorry guys, but we can't put your record out. Oh, so that was all a bit disheartening. It was yeah, a bit of a drag.
0: That's a drag. Yeah, man. yeah. That sucks
1: yeah and i mean you know when you're when you're at when you're in your twenties you do tend to you know i mean you do tend to be a little bit more ambitious sure, and of course you know that that was a little bit of a drag to yeah, say the least yeah. we we're all we were all a little bit heartbroken by that
0: most definitely um well i i had a guest um on uh, about a month or two ago, uh, Pete Robinson. I know Pete. Well, yeah, and I did
1: listen to that episode, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he talks about um, that first uh, band, well, not first band, but one of his bands, Sneak, and a very similar thing happened to them. Mm. They were on a, a, a label and then they got bought out and then they got dropped. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not a, it's something no, that it's, a happened, it's a common thing. It's a common thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm. It was then anyway. I mean, not mm. so much now because... No, well, know. that's right. Yeah,
0: You know, labels are kind of, yeah,
1: They're, yeah. Their own they're relics now aren't they yeah it's a different yeah. different world it's a different world yeah the music anyway
0: yeah far out so, so yeah, that was cool i mean quite close to the sun and then got burned by it that's
1: but- that's exactly right yeah. I, I tell you one of the really enjoy but i mean that that period in melbourne was astonishing really because i mean we're lucky in melbourne because we've got live venues everywhere yeah and we're spoiled you know any, yeah. any band can get a gig on any given night that's you know. right but it, but it was nice then, because um, there was a lot going on, and especially with kind of this this momentum of people actually talking about Melbourne as a yeah as a city um, a city with uh, good artists and yeah man it was it was really cool. I remember when jet came back, they were halfway through recording their album. yes um, and they came back to do the Rolling Stone supports Yes, and at that point in time, they just had an EP dirty sweet out but you know the the word was out on them yes um and we did their two sideshows. one was at the Annandale and one was at the Hi-Fi bar and it was surreal there were lines down the street in the really? afternoon really and it was just like it was just like wow and in fact um there was a clip for a song called take it or leave it which um they filmed a bit of that at the soundcheck as well mm. um of that particular night in Sydney, but it was just like, you know, the, the feeling of like, wow, something's really happening, happening this here. Happening here, yeah. This is pretty out there,
0: and, yeah. And when they uh, got that um, uh, iPod commercial. That's right, they with did. that track. Yeah, Are
1: You Gonna Be My Girl, yeah. It just, just. Yeah, I mean, once you get something The world was their like oyster. That, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, control. good on them.
0: I was, um, I was in a cover band at that time. Yeah. And we would do that song. And every time we would do it, that everyone would just go mental. because yeah. it was it was the hottest song. It was. And it was ours because it was Australian, yes. you know. So everyone in the crowd was like, Yeah, you know, it was like kind of like a new A C D C kind of. Yes. You yeah. know what I mean? But yeah. but hip and cool and of the time. Absolutely. Yeah, it was it was it was very cool. Um, you know. I, I obviously have a very different recollection of it because um, I wasn't connected to any of that kind of original band scene. Yeah. At that time, I was still just, you know, grinding it out, doing the covers yeah. and just, you know, looking looking at it like that. But I certainly saw how their music had an effect on on the people. Yeah. Yeah, which was rad. Yeah, it was know? very cool, very, very cool. Um, and um, th- I do have a friend uh, who I actually um, I met years and years ago um, Andre Warhurst, who plays in Spoonful, and I know and, Andre well as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, he he's obviously mates with the Jet guys, and was on the album. He did. Or, they they
1: flew him over. Yeah, 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 to play on Move On.
0: Yeah, yeah and got to uh, got to meet the Stones when they supported him and stuff. And I thought that was really sweet of them. It was nice. They yeah. knew that he was a huge fan of that band, and they were like, well, we've got to get Andy to you know to appear with us on stage, and mm. you know, and, and meet those guys. Um, yeah, no, very cool. And Nick's
1: always uh, Nick has. In interviews, talked about going to see Spoonful at the Clifton Hill.
0: Yeah, yeah, and citing them as big influencers yes. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool thing, man. Yeah, it's a cool thing. Um, so yeah, and so then you leave the pictures. Yes, and um, when Oh, look, from I was in,
1: in a slew of slew of different bands. Really, um, I actually joined two bands after leaving the pictures. One was called The Gear. Yeah, and another one was called Treetops, and they're already quite well established. Um. And we did a fantastic EP mm. with Treetops uh, called Gospel up in Coogee Bay with a producer called Jonathan Burnside, whose album before that was Lovers by the Sleepy Jackson. Okay. And that was just a fantastic uh, three or four days we spent up there making that record. It was a great little EP. And, yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: because Andy's worked for, with Jonathan Burnside as well. Yeah, did he? He did yeah. a, a Silver Night Drive EP. The That's Burn, right. He but called I, it the Burnside EP. <laughs> yes, yeah. and, I, and
1: he would have done that at Eastern Block, which was the studio that he built down here ah, in
0: Ah, there you go. Yeah. 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 Um, so you went up there and you did, did a, was it just an EP with the treetops with, with Jonathan it Burnside? It was, yeah. yeah and yeah, it, yeah. Was,
1: it was really, really well received. And um, I was enjoying playing in both of those bands. And then one yeah. day I was at a, rehearsal with treetops and my phone rang and um it was uh hi brett this is glenn wheatley i said oh really yeah he said no no it is and Mm. uh and i said look um you know my son's got a band and we're about to get signed to sony and uh would you be interested in playing drums whoa and i know though i knew those guys through the years anyway Yeah, Um, yeah yeah So yeah, I mean it was pretty hard to say no to that and What um, was that band? That was called The Sparrows. Ah, oh, the Sparrows, yes. yes, we get to there now. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so we did we did an E P with Paul McKercher who'd just won an aria for the um, the Eskimo Joe record that I can't remember the name of. Um A
0: lot of Black Fingernails, Red it, Wine. it
1: was it that record? No,
0: I can't remember. I can't yeah. remember.
1: But um, that was a great experience doing a record with Paul. I did a couple of records over the journey with him. Yeah, marvelous right. producer. He's made some very, very good albums, including one of the Umi re- records, Alley uh, Daily, mm. and um, yeah. So we did that, and then the Sparrows broke up, mm. and um, and then we uh, a couple of us bro- branched off. And formed another band called Rush Cutter.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And Glenn managed that band as well because his son Tim was in the band and um,
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, we signed to Universal. Wow. And um, we made an album. It was just it was surreal. Um, James Robbie Rain was in the band as well. And okay. his father was James Rain. Whoa. And and Jane Robbie Rain was a and still is a very good songwriter. Yeah. And a very good singer. And it was just, it was a surreal period, because it was the tail end of when labels were giving lots of money to new artists. Artists to new to artists, and record. yeah. You know? And so I think we, we got like a hundred grand. Whoa! And we chose our producer, who was Nico Bolas, who was an American who'd recorded the last couple of Neil Young records. Okay. Um, And we were just in awe of him, because he'd worked
0: with a lot of our heroes, like Crosby, sure. Stills, and Nash,
1: and Kiss, mm. and... Um so we were just we were just you know
0: And you flew in, over there to work with him. with him? No,
1: he flew here. Whoa. And uh we and reco- where did you record? we recorded at uh the big studio in Sing Sing in Richmond.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, which isn't there anymore.
1: It's not there anymore, no. Yeah, yeah. Um it I was... only
0: went there once to drop something off and I was like, Whoa, look at this joint. yeah <laughs> Very impressive. But it was a
1: cool joint. It was a cool place, yeah. 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 And so we we're in the big room and you know, we hadn't spoken to Nico. We just knew what his credits were and he'd yeah. heard some demos of ours and he just decided that he wanted to do the record with Whoa. us and it was all very very in hindsight it was it was very fly by the seat of your pants and yeah. you know, we had we were having like catered lunches and dinners. It was crazy, crazy <laughs> stuff. And and it was it was just symptomatic of that whole time recording, you know. We're in this big room in Sing Sing and I get there early and, and yeah. you know, I'm setting my drums up and Nico just says, oh, I, I don't like how the drums sound in this room. And huh. and there was a, a small room adjacent to it with a piano in there and he just came in and he hit a drum in there and he said, this is the room. Ah. <laughs> so, I mean, which I, I got the vibe that he was going for, you sure, know, because sure. you know, he records guys like Neil Young and it's all very about doing a lot of it live and just going for vibe yes yes so i mean we had a fantastic experience recording with him we were very happy with it and i just think that whoever heard it at universal was just like you know we were expecting like a slick record ah. and i remember our a and r guy came in and the demo that we'd got signed on which was this great song called remember to breathe which was literally the first thing we recorded as a demo which you know when you there's something called known as chasing the demo, which is that you don't want to make your demos too good because then if you've got to re-record it for an album and some, some element of it is missing, then people are like, yeah, but it's not as good as the demo. demo. So it's always wise to just do a very, very rough recording sure. of a demo so that you've got yeah, something a, to better.
0: It's a catch-22, though, because if it sounds like shit, they're not going to pick you up.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I guess, I guess. <gasps> Yeah, I guess.
0: Good problem to have. Yeah, it's a it's a good
1: problem to have. Yeah, but we'd recorded. So, it was just no one was thinking about it. We just did it. Sure, we yeah, recorded yeah. eight or nine songs. And, yeah, and that one particularly stood out. So by then we'd evolved a little bit, and what went from being like a kind of an acoustic based song that that was slightly poppy, but still. Kind of rootsy in a way. Yeah, ended up being kind of like a Neil Young song with very jagged guitar sounds and ah. um, a bit faster and more rockier. And our A&R guy came in after hearing that, and he just said, "I want you to re-record it like the demo." And we're just going, "Oh shit!" Yeah. And I mean, he didn't say it like an arsehole, but it was, yeah. you just said, like, you know, you just got to try and do it like this. And, of course, Nico wasn't terribly happy about that. Sure, sure. Um, so it
0: was like, yeah, you spent this money to get this producer out, to get this kind of sound, and then you're being told, but hang on, that's this is right. why we liked you guys yeah. in the first place. Let's go back yeah. to that place. But the thing
1: is, is Nico didn't know the Australian music industry. He was doing mm. what he felt, he thought was the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, in reality, it probably wasn't going to play... In the minds of Universal on Australian radio. Sure. And that's really what happened and they shelved the whole record.
0: Whoa. And, um, it
1: was just extraordinary. That's you know? insane. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah.
0: Far out. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Because you weren't able to emulate that, that demo. No,
1: because I just think that what they heard as the finished product wasn't what they envisaged us to be in the oh, beginning. Oh right. So we'd become a we'd become a far rockier band. Yeah. And, um maybe it would have flown. In the states, if we were over there, because yeah. it was more of that sound, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they just didn't. And I mean, that's the thing about record labels, you know. You, especially then as well, you're better off working at a record label than being an artist. I'll tell you right now, because we used to go there and and see these people. I'd be talking about the party there at the night before and things like that. And we yeah. we're, you know, we're struggling to scratch two cents together. And sure. you know, it's all. It, it, that's how it was really. Um, yeah, yeah. And if you don't have someone support there you're just going to get pushed to the back. Yeah, and, and that's right. really what happened, you know. Our, our, our A&R could only support us so much. Yeah, you know, yeah. he couldn't get it past the people he needed to to bring it out. Because
0: so, he's the he's the representative in the record label uh, trying of to us. get you across the line yes, yes, to yeah. the other big people that yes. actually hold the purse strings. Absolutely. and uh, And have got the power to put you on the radio.
1: That's exactly right, Whoa. yeah. So... Yeah, that was very disheartening. And we yeah. kept playing for about a year and just, we just thought like this ain't happening. So we just ended yeah. up disbanding. Far out. Yeah. Man. yeah. It was, it was crazy. It really was. Huh. Yeah. Um.
0: There mm. you go. And so, um, what are you doing now? Well, I've
1: been doing a lot. It's funny from around the time that Rush Cutter finished, um, you know, Davey and I were just hanging out. Yeah. We hadn't spent a lot of time hanging out. Um, because the the ending of my time in the pictures was uh, was not as uh, memorable as I would have liked it to have been. <laughs> Is
0: that right? You're trying to say that as politically correct as you can. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. Because, you well, want to divulge it? Well, not? you don't have to. It's all good.
1: Well, it's like anything. You know, when you've been with people for a long time and you've done a lot of touring and yeah. things don't go right, you start to lose your mind a bit. That's what sure. happened to me. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. it's all. It's all. That's why I have so much respect for artists that start out young in bands and manage to keep it together and and don't lose their minds. Right. You know, um, someone like Tom Petty, for example, you know, he ran a tight ship. He always did and mm. he was always able to keep everyone united and And his his singular um, vision, you know, s- steered the, sh- the ship and kept everyone together, yes, you know. Yes, uh, It's because it's a hard thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. Yeah, it really is. I mean, yeah. even... even Dave Grohl, if you look at what he did in you know the early, the early Foo Fighter years as well, yes. just just main. But I mean, that's a little bit different because he was already,
0: he was already established dude. at that point yeah. in time. But
1: still, it's not easy. No. Um, but yeah, I think. Well,
0: especially when you hear about the the stories about when they first started, they'd be like, "Play Marigold! That's right. It's like yes, the one song you sung yeah. in the whole and it's life like, of yeah. It was it's just like, a throwaway song for a me- kick off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just things
1: like that. But um, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, my, my departure in uh, in the pictures was, uh, I don't mind telling this story, but we did a show with Pacifier in, uh, it's, well, w- what was, I think it was still called Selena's then. I can't remember. It was it was summer in New South Wales. Oh, okay. And um, I don't know, I was pretty over it by that point in time. There was this really big mirror. I picked it up and I threw it. Whoa. And, I mean, you know, I was just done, really. I was, yeah. I think, you know, I, yeah. I mean, when you, when you, when you're that age,
0: um yeah. You look back and you go, oh, that was a bit silly.
1: Oh, it was a bit silly.
0: But you're you're in that time, at that moment, you're like, oh, this just sucks. I, I want to get my Pretty frustration much. out on something. Pretty it's much. not like I'm hitting one of the bandmates or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I,
1: and, I, and by all means, I don't say that to blow my own trumpet. It's just probably more... Yeah. just to how I was feeling at the time. I,
0: I mean, oh, fuck, man. You've gone through a lot with that band. You know, yes. you, you, you're being told, like, all these amazing things right. and you're right on the precipice and then it all goes to shit. Yes. And you're like, oh, fuck.
1: Yeah. And, you know, something in my gut was telling me that I'd probably, I'd probably run my course there. Anyway. And maybe, maybe you know, my relationship with David probably needed to just to get some air. And by yeah. the time we ended up reconnecting... um, you know i i didn't really even anticipate that i was going to play music with him again it was just fun to be hanging out with him again like yeah, the right. old times Yeah. and then you know dave decided that you know he was he was ready to do like a solo record mm. and um yeah he got a band together we did some shows and i mean because he's always writing and he's just so prolific and mm. um yeah we just yeah we did a record so that nice. that started with with an album called "The Tonally Young, which we did with a guy called Tony Buchan at Sound Park, who's a wonderful producer, and it was a very enjoyable time. And We made the record in about two weeks. It's oh, a great-sounding wow. record, and it's just there's... It, in my opinion, it's a flawless record.
0: Wow. Yeah, and... Do they do recording at Sound Park as well? Yeah, so i yeah. only have a there? Yeah,
1: that's, that's Idge's space, and he's got a studio there. No yeah. shit. Yeah, and you've never seen it before? No, uh, yeah.
0: I think I... I mean, maybe it's just because I've never used, never recorded there, so I didn't really right. kind of associate that place with recording. Yeah. It's always just rehearsing. Mm. But oh, there you go. Yeah, well,
1: one of the last times I was there, Paul Kelly and his band were, were there making there as well. the new record that's come out. Yeah.
0: Far out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's had a few. But I think Courtney Barnett's done some stuff there too. Huh. Lots, lots of. Lots you, know, of cool artists. you
0: know what I saw there the other day? What's that? I was trying. <laughs> I was driving past because it's it's on my way to the city because I'm in Epping, yeah, and I have to go down Saint George's yes, Road to yes. get into the t- into town, and I I drive past Sound Park, and I'm I'm driving past and I'm looking into the it was, I think it was like a Saturday morning or something, and I'm looking into the into the car park and it was pretty empty, and I just see these two kids walk into Sound Park, and I'm like. Yeah, they're fucking school of rock kids. That's totally <laughs> where they're rehearsing right now. I called it. I don't know. Maybe it was just some kids like of some band that, you know, but they, they had a bit of a swagger about them. They're like right. they were a little bit too cool for school. You know? right. like, I, I bet you that's where the school of rock kids are fucking rehearsing. Oh, I'm
1: sure that Idge would have happily taken their money. <laughs> yeah, most to- definitely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, you did a, um, you did an album there. Yeah. yeah. And,
1: and like I say, it's a fantastic record. Yeah. And, and- at some point in time, people are going to look back on that record and say, geez, that's a great record. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, um,
0: what did Davey call the band? Like it was just Davey Lane? It's or- just Davey. Davey. Yeah, Davey Lane. Yeah. 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 And yeah. 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 um, you still, is that the project you're currently working with at the moment? Well,
1: yeah, being playing with Davey the whole time, he brought out a second album, which is just as good, if yeah. not better, called i Burnout Out Brightly. Mm-hmm. And, um, we've done a, We've done a few shows off the back of that. Yep, and um, was that this year? Ah, uh, yeah, this year we've been busy doing shows. I can't, no, it came out the year before. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But that's another just fine record. I mean, he's just, yeah. just just. It can't say enough about. What a talented man he is and how great his songs are.
0: Uh, That's cool, man. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Especially because you've got that history with him and you're obviously both massive um, fans of similar bands. That's right. So when he's writing tunes, he's thinking, oh, this would kind of go with, I know what kind of stuff that um, uh, Wolfie would be able to lay down on this. So I'm going to go with that sentimentality for this track and that track. Mm. That's a cool thing. Well, Davey's a
1: good little drummer himself and Mm. because he's got a, a cool... Uh, home studio set up as well yeah you know, if he's uh if he feels like playing drums he does it and that's perfectly fine yeah right yeah. on yeah it's you know a lot of a lot of those you know great artists that uh put out solo albums p- play all the instruments themselves anyway so yeah i yeah. mean kevin parker from tame impala right um todd rungren um yeah all that stuff so that, yeah. that's where that comes from yeah mm. cool. But, Are yeah you
0: playing with any other acts at the moment or just um, L- well lane?
1: yeah lots I mean i I had a huge october i um I went on tour with Andrew stockdale from Wolf Mother okay um he had a solo album that he wanted to tour. so we did uh, a run of five or six shows yep. which was good um Andrew's fantastic he's just a lovely guy and really um, Oh, he really is yeah, yeah cool. and um yeah, you know, he's achieved an awful lot, and uh, it's really fun to just ask him questions about about what he's done. Yeah, and, right. And um, yeah, just just such a sweet guy. Yeah. So it was it was a real pleasure to play with him. Yeah. And then um, ended up doing some shows with Tim Rogers as well.
0: Ah, oh, right on.
1: Um, in the last couple of years, I've done a bit of playing with Tim. It's it's been been great, and when he was. Uh, deciding on recording his last solo album called An Actor Repairs. He asked if I'd like to play the drums on it, which was lovely. Nice, um, yeah. So it was a, it was just a great experience. Um, we recorded it at Yikesville, which is Shane O'Mara's studio out in Yarraville. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just such an easy process, you know, right. because... You know, when you've got such great songs, yeah, it's it's just it just flows, and it's just so much fun playing to those songs. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, yeah. Tim made it very accommodating and mm. and nice and easy, and and yeah, it was a really relaxed atmosphere and very enjoyable. Far yeah, out, man. Yeah, so that was really cool. And I've been lucky to play with some people whose songs and artistry i've admired over a period of time and another one that comes to mind is jim keys from the masters apprentices Mm -hmm. um if you remember the songs like because i love you and turn up your radio um we did a couple of albums with jim it was unfortunate because he was sick and um we went into the studio and we did an album uh, called Dirty Dirty, which was just a selection of obscure covers that he wanted to record. Okay. And um he'd had a form of cancer called myeloma and mm. it it uh it reared its head around the time we finished that record so we weren't really able to do any touring. Right. Because he went back into remission. Ah. And um and then um whilst he was Still not feeling terribly good, he decided he wanted to do a second record, and um, it was good because we managed to finish that. It was called Age Against the Machine. Wow. And um, that was really great. You know, I, in fact, I think that was better than the first record. Yeah. But he, uh, yeah, he was on the way out by that time. He wasn't doing so good, yeah. and uh, he passed away shortly thereafter, but I'm glad we got to finish that record. Wow. And um yeah, we only did like a, a couple of gigs, and we did one, a great one in Albury. Yeah, and it's just a shame we never got to to really tour. Yeah, um, but it was it was such a trip playing all those Masters Apprentices songs as well. Yeah. yeah, it was really really cool. I mean, it was the same like with Andrew, like getting to play a lot of Wolfmother songs as well. Yeah, I so get those out on. Yeah, those that was shows as that well. was a thrill. It yeah. was really great, and. Um, yeah, and even with Tim, like, Tim throws in the odd my song as well, which is nice. And yeah, yeah. It's just really cool to be playing all those songs. And
0: i never forget, like, you know, playing drums as a 16-year-old up at my mum and dad's house, Kathy's Clown. Yeah. You know, that was, like, our go-to song. Oh, cool. One of the only songs we knew, you know, playing in a band, you know, in the bedroom with all the other people in the band. It was, like, um, such such... Such a great songwriter. Yeah, oh, hell yeah, absolutely, Such a great, great songwriter. Absolutely.
1: and and I I really do firmly believe that Tim is the best songwriter in this country. Yeah, right on. People will uh, will probably disagree with me on that, but <laughs> yeah. that's my opinion, and yeah, I'm sticking man. to it. And yeah. it's like even when we did Actor Repairs that last album, you know, all the songs were just so good. I mean, yeah, and you know he's gotten he's gotten even better if mm. if that's possible. If that's possible, you sure. Know, yeah, you know, yeah, um. He's just a phenomenal songwriter, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and
0: working with all these like great um, artists and songwriters and all that kind of thing. Um, do you write tunes as well? Like, do you have a melodic kind of?
1: Oh, uh, look, thing, I, I play a bit of guitar. I essentially learnt guitar to play Beatles songs. Yeah, right. Um, and I've never really sat down to write, to be honest. I've no. I've got one or two things, but yeah. there'd have to be a really firm reason for me to to consider writing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I play in another band with um. Ash Naylor, who's Paul Kelly's guitar player, well, his band is called Even. Even, yeah. And Ash-Nayla, um, yeah. and he's also in the Rockwiz band. And so it's Davey, Ash and I, and we just, we play deep 60s cuts. Yeah, we're called the Marshmallow Overcoat. In fact, we had a gig on Saturday night, which was a lot of fun. But yeah. Ash, Ash keeps saying to me, you know, I want to I wanna do a song where I'm playing drums and you're playing guitar. Ah. And the thing is, is, yeah, I could just play a Beatles song, but it's like, it's popping my guitar playing cherry on stage. <laughs> it scares the absolute hell out of me. Yeah. Cause I just, I, I can't imagine myself standing up there and looking comfortable and, and yeah. you know, ch- changing my hands to play chords. No. It's just, it's like, I can't get my head around it and I just think I would make an absolute dog's breakfast of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I would feel so foolish that I would never want to do, do it, again. it again. But Dave, me- Moody, who is the drummer in Courtney Barnett's band, he's got another band called Gumboot, right? And he plays bass. And I said, I said to him, "How, how are you getting up there and playing bass? Like, do you yeah. feel comfortable?" And he said, he said to me, "You've just got to do it. You've yeah. just, you've just got to, you've just got to get up there, and you've, mm. j- you've just got to make yourself do it. Yeah, man. Because you won't do it otherwise." And yeah. I'm thinking, well, maybe one day I will.
0: That's it, man. It's 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 very strange when when you're so comfortable on one specific instrument, you know, and then you um, like if I because you
1: started as a drummer as well, didn't I, you? I did. Yeah. I
0: did start as a drummer. Um, and I just uh, I kind of got um a little bit like a little bit sick of playing drums and listening to the singer not sing in tune. You yeah, know? yeah. So that's eventually why I, I got the, you know, traded the sticks for the microphone because I could always just naturally sing, you know, and had the ear for mm. it. Um, but as far as actually playing the drums um, it, <laughs> live, like in front of a lot of people um, at a sh- original or even a covers show, there's no way. I would freak out. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I play drums at... You know, during my day job as as a music teacher, mm. if there's you know there's no drummer in the band, I'll just pick up the sticks and learn the song, and away mm. we go. But because there's no pressure, it's just kids, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. But um, if it was a pressure situation like playing drums in front of a, like a Melbourne crowd, forget about yeah, it. Yeah, right. Give me the mic, man. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I reckon it's interesting too. I reckon there are a lot of drummers out there, and I do know a few that started on drums who have mm. gravitated to being the front man the front yeah, person and, right. the, and, the, and the lead singer. Yeah. In fact, one of the bands I did forget to mention was a band called Dirty York that I played in for about three or four years. They yeah. put out a couple of records before I joined them. Sure. And um, after Rushcutter broke up, I was pretty devastated and thinking, well, I'm going to have to go and find a job now, aren't I? Mm. Um, and then I got a message on the internet from uh, the bass player saying, look, our drummer's left. Would mm. you be interested in joining the band? Because we have done a couple of shows together and I loved them. Yeah, nice. like, um they were like uh Leonard Skinard, or you know uh well very black rosy sounding, but Brownie, who's just one of my dearest friends and a fantastic lead singer, he started as a drummer as well,
0: yeah right. but he and,
1: and for, for pretty much the same reason is that right yeah he he'd love he, to talk to no, you. <laughs> he's he's fantastic and yeah. and we were really lucky we did some huge tours over in Europe, yeah. Um, like, crazy stuff like 36 shows in 40 days. Whoa. Mental, mental. And before we went to do the first tour, this is, this is great because this was just so exciting. Um, the promoter had said, I've put you up for a show called Rock Palast. For those who don't know, Rock Palast is a show that's been around for 30 to 40 years. Okay. Now, depending on the level of your success, say if you cold play, they'll film your whole show at a big stadium and, and play it live. And then, uh, not play it live, but then play it uh, all across Europe, Ah, right? So, the promoter gets back to us, our, our touring promoter, and he says, Rock Palace wants you on the show. Whoa. And we're, I'm just going, you're kidding. Like, everyone's done that. Like, you know, they who have done it. You know, yeah, Bob Dylan's yeah, yeah. done it.
0: So, it's not a festival. It's a TV show. It's a TV show, ah. yeah.
1: Um. And when we got there to do ours in Bonn in Germany, it was a small theatre, and we went upstairs and there was a photo of Dire Straits who Mm. did their very first Rock palace there in 1982. Oh, wow. Which was just so cool. That is so cool. So they have, like, you know, a live audience in there and you play for about an hour and a half, they film the entire thing, and then they broadcast it later on. Wow. And ours is up on YouTube. It came out really, really good. We were really happy with it. So, yeah, that was super exciting. Wow. But since your show is called The Art of Touring, I mean... Yeah. Touring Europe is just a huge buzz and... yeah. I almost reckon one of the best countries in the world to tour is um, is Spain. It is just... Really? It is unbelievable. Why is that? Oh, they just... They're mad for it over there. Are they really? There is a passion over there for rock and roll that that is just... It is amazing. Yeah. You could could take your band over there and they will come and see it and they will just froth and they will just support you and they'll buy your merch and they'll really get behind you. It's yeah, just, it's a, a cool it's, thing. Yeah. We did, you know, on the runs of shows, well, I think we did about 20 shows over there both times we went over. You yeah. Know, because it is just so good and you get so well looked after. I mean, the country itself is in a pretty bad economic state. Yes. Um, but um, they're just so generous with, <laughs> you know, like, like drink whatever you want, mm. you know, and how much of it you want. Mm. And so, of course, you know, that first time we went over, we thought this probably will never happen again. So we ended up... We ended up going pretty hard. Sure. And, I mean, I reckon we, we drank pretty flat out for 40 days. Yeah. And Brownie and I had a game where we'd come off stage and we'd have a shot of tequila. Yeah. And then we thought, okay, well, let's, let's up it. So by the end of that tour, we were like shotting four tequilas after the gig each and not really feeling it. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh, really? Oh, it was terrible.
0: Not even getting a buzz. No, nah,
1: no. Nah, it was awful. And then I remember looking at myself in the mirror in Frankfurt as we were staying in the hotel before we flew out, yeah, I just looked in myself in the went, I looked disgusting, <laughs> just a <ragged. laughs> I looked disgraceful, <laughs> and that's the thing about touring as well. It's it's you've got to learn how to tour, yeah, right? because you and you are inevitably and I did in the early days. I'd always get sick because you'd just go too hard. Yeah, right. And, but you just got to you got to learn to eat and you've got I mean that sounds ridiculous but sometimes We also have to
0: have, have a constitution for it too, you know, like well, you develop that. Can't you, you yeah, well some people can't, much. some yeah. people but
1: I mean you develop that over time. It's yeah. it's like a callus on your finger, yeah, you know, right. you you know until you build <laughs> yeah. it up. Yeah. Um
0: probably not the best type of callous to yeah, no. say that you've got. Yeah, man, I could drink like 10 beers and not feel a thing. Yeah, that's not a good thing, mate. That's being, that's called being an alcoholic. <laughs> no, it's being called a museo, actually. Oh, okay, yeah, not that kind of muso. Love it, love it. Oh, dude. Well, yeah. we're kind of winding down here, but I mean, sure. it's been great to, to hear those stories. Before we do finish up though, I wanted to ask you, um, I do play a little snippet of music sure. before the interview. So, I'll. I mean, of all the bands that we've spoken about over the last, you know, hour and a half or however long we've been talking, um, is there is there one song that you kind of sticks out that you think, oh, I would like that to be representative um, of of my drumming? Well, uh, I was
1: going to mention, I was going well, it's not a song that I that I played on because I forgot to mention it, but I've just finished touring with Todd Rundgren mm. and and. Todd and sorry to digress but mm. I did want to talk about this because no, it was be, one of the uh it was one of the experiences of my life really like Todd Todd's been in the industry for 50 years there's one degree of separation to any artist Todd's an amazing songwriter he's also an amazing producer yeah. in his 20s he was producing bands like Badfinger and The Band I mean he's produced Hall & Oates XTC uh, he, if it hadn't been for him, Bad Out of Hell, which is one of the biggest selling albums in this country, would never have been made. Huh. So he produced and played on Bad Out of Hell. No one wanted to re- to record Bad Out of Hell. Um, and he paid for it himself, um, or the majority of it himself. Um, and yeah, so we got to do a tour with him. Yes. And it was extraordinary. I mean, this year he's finally been nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Wow. And at the moment on the voting ballot, he's coming in at number three, Below And there's 15 people or artists that get nominated. Mm-hmm. And uh, above him are Def Leppard and Stevie Nicks. And he's in at number three at the moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Um,
1: but yeah, touring with him and playing his songs was phenomenal. Wow. It really was. And you would that's the thing about Todd in this country. He's more of a cult figure. Right. Um, So you'd know his songs. Mm. I've and really actually heard the name. Yes, yeah. yeah. And you'd appreciate this. He actually did the soundtrack for Dumb and Dumber. As well, <laughs> yeah. Did the entire soundtrack for that film?
0: What does that mean? Yeah,
1: well, he played all the music. Really? Yeah, yeah for the sound.
0: But *Dumb and Dumber* has um, like original music on it. That
1: that the original music is him. What? Yeah, that's all. Really? Him. Yeah, yeah. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. That's hilarious.
0: He wrote and recorded all those yeah. like original pop rock songs. Yeah, yeah. For that. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and the soundtrack, just like the the instrumental soundtrack. Oh my god! Yeah, that's Todd yeah. That's insane. That's pretty cool.
0: There's that song... And obviously, no. I'm thinking of the... Din, 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 din. That's like Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Yeah, like well, the well there are
1: those songs, but he selected those songs as well. But, ah, but okay, all but of the, the incidental other, music other is him. Yeah, yeah. wow, that's which incredible. Is, which is cool. Fine. But yeah, it's just amazing touring with him. and
0: yeah, yeah. And he
1: was just so cool. Yeah. So I was going to suggest playing... Um, can We Still Be Friends? But I want, I, want, I want it to be something that I've played on. Yeah, so, that would be cool. Yeah. Uh, well, since I have such fond memories of making that first Davy solo record, Yeah, uh, let's do I, that. Think, I think a song called Witch In My Mind would be appropriate.
0: Beautiful. We'll, we'll have heard a portion of that song um, before this interview, Witch In My Mind uh, by Davy Lane. Um, which uh, Wolfie plays drums on?
1: Yeah, love it,
0: love it. <laughs> and so, where can people follow your musical career, mate? Um, what What are the the current um, accounts for the music, the bands that you are currently in? Well, yeah, you're I a mean, little bit of a floater, aren't yeah. you? Like you're in everybody's I band. Played, yeah. I'm
1: playing five or six bands. There's just another thing I did as well. Was. Um Dallas Crane, if you've heard of them. Yeah. I went, uh, I went to Iraq with Dallas Crane Whoa. Uh, this You year. did that
0: Iraq tour? Yeah. Whoa. And played
1: for all the Australian and American servicemen and women over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because Steve, their drummer, couldn't make the shows, and I'd known those guys for a long time. Yeah. So I went over and did that, and it was a surreal experience. Mm. Unbelievable. You know, it really was. They gave us the full treatment over there. 14 days was about... As long as you'd want to spend over there because yeah. you were kind of, you, you were living as they would live. So they were waking us up early. There wasn't Jeez. really any booze over there either. No. Um, in the American camps, they actually have a bar and you're allowed three drinks a day.
0: Three a day? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But the,
1: but not like that with the Australians. The Australians are far more clinical.
0: And it's like a, a big metropolis, like they've got a McDonald's and they've got a pool and a gym and, and like this huge. Um, they thing, do, or? they
1: do in the American camps. They don't yeah. have a McDonald's. No. Um, but the food in the American camps is pretty damn ordinary. Whereas oh, really? in, in the Australian camp, it was five stars. So the Americans huh. have to, some of their money out of their pay packet goes to food. Right. So they want what they know, and they don't want anything else. Oh, okay. And it's yeah. all fried and pretty awful. But, <laughs> okay, yeah. But
0: I'd probably love it, because I love Americana. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not. But, but
1: the pizza wasn't even good, though. Oh, the pizza right. wasn't even good. Oh, it was, it okay. was terrible. It was terrible. It was terrible. Ah. But in the Australian, oh my goodness, the Australian
0: food. What, was, what did they have? Oh,
1: just um, It was amazing. Every night was different. It was just really? five star.
0: Nice. Uh,
1: it was just killer. It was like, man, we're gonna get fat here because no, we're like yeah. all we're doing is sitting around and then we're eating food and yeah. we only did like three shows
0: and that was it. Yeah. And did you have to like wear like a bulletproof vest and a helmet? We had to wear all
1: the gear, all yeah. the gear, and all the time, all but the, the but time. But the funny thing is, even
0: sleeping in a bulletproof vest. No, no, no,
1: no. But the funny thing was too in Amer- in the American, they're so much more relaxed. Ah. Like I was walking around in a paisley shirt and flares and people looking at me like I was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it was crazy, but it was quite funny, you yeah, know. Yeah. So it was a lot more relaxed than the American camps. But you know, we got to go out and shoot their weapons, which was an interesting experience. Whoa. We, yeah, it was it was pretty cool, and they gave they gave us the whole um the the whole treatment. They really did.
0: Far out, man! Yeah, it was so cool. That's insane.
1: So yeah, very lucky to have done that. But um, as in terms of finding me, it's really hard to say how you would find me on the internet. I guess you know, yeah. through Facebook. But yeah, I play with a whole slew of different artists and yeah. um. We've got a few fun um, bands that I play in. There's one called the Marshmallow Overcoat, which is Davy and Ash. Yes. And we just play our favourite 60s, 60s songs. So when we've got a bit of time up our sleeves, we do that. It was funny, the other night we played in Turak at a place called the Raw Bar, and Kim Salmon was in the audience, and he came up and sang I Want to Be Your Dog by the Stooges, which was really cool, because Kim's one of the seminal Australian punk artists from the early 80s. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I'm in a band called Murphy's Hardware, which is comprises of some guys that were in successful bands in the 90s, like okay. Ross McLennan from Snout. Yes. And Nick Murphy from the Anyones, if you remember them. Nick Murphy, I do, And yeah. Ben Mason from Small Goods. And, yeah, we are also, we pick, like, really difficult 60 songs to play like holly stuff where you rely on four part harmonies and ah, try to do some of the trickier Beatles songs oh, and, right. and and cool monkey songs as well which I'll is fun and get
0: you get to see Yeah you, show, should, man. you should you yeah, should it'd be great You, you should and just yeah. last
1: night I played at Cherry Bar um, with the Australian Door show as well which I've been doing for five or six years which is oh, just cool. a lot of fun yeah, that's fun. Yeah.
0: And I'm really, it's really great that Cherry do um, those tribute things. Oh, like, I agree. I did the Pearl Jam one um, the last three years. Oh, cool. We 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 did um, the. 10 album in its entirety oh fantastic yeah which was a lot of fun yeah and then we did it again because it was a sellout so we like james young was yeah. like yeah do it again yeah, you yeah, know because yeah. he likes money as uh, everyone does <laughs> so we were able to you know sell it out again um but then um we did uh the versus album as well great it, and and that time he put us up at the yarraville live which was really yes cool. was yeah we bigger room i've done a couple there as yeah, well great uh, space.
1: aside from with the door show i did Kiss Alive from start to finish with Ash Naylor, which nice. was so good.
0: Yeah, yeah. The it's, tribute night's are really fun. It's
1: it's pretty extraordinary the way that's now taken off. It, yeah. be, it became a thing about three or four years ago, yeah. didn't it? Now everyone's doing it. And everyone's doing it. Yeah. But
0: it works because... Um, There's obviously tribute bands that do just that band. Yeah. But then you can just do like an album and just collect all the musos, you know, that like that album and just put on the show and people come in their droves to check it out because they love that album. They want to hear that song, those songs played back to back because most of the time bands don't do that.
1: No, they don't. You
0: know, they play from their new album and a couple of songs from the first and whatever. But to hear just a whole song, the whole album, like I think I've kind of, a bitten off a bit more than I can chew because next year we're going to do Vitalogy. Oh, great! And that one's great, but. There's some weird tracks on that one. Like how the hell are we gonna play Hey Foxy my Panel Mama That's Me Live? Like you just can't. <laughs> so I'm thinking in the back of my mind I might just get the album and just play that song yeah. through the PA. Everyone just have a drink on stage <laughs> and relax and then, yeah, can't and then do that. And then wait. Well, because you can't emulate it yeah, live. Like we're right. gonna Hey mama. Like you just right. can <laughs> If you know the song, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. A, it's absolutely impossible, but oh cool, man. Well um Dude, it's been so cool to catch up with yes, you. Yes, thank, thank you. for inviting me to your yeah. lovely house and, and your and, lovely garage, and and yeah, the uh, the studio house. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah, and um, uh, we'll 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 have listened to that song, um, the Davy Lane track, and um, yeah, if people want to find you, you know, just um, search for. I think that the one that you mentioned most was that Ash Nailer one. Yeah, uh, the Marshmallow Man. Marsh- Marshmallow Overcoat. Marshmallow Overcoat. Yes, we'll find them on the internet. Cool. Good on you, Brett. Talk to you soon, mate. Thanks, David. See you, Wolfie. Cheers, mate. Ciao. And that's a wrap, Sizzlers, episode 36, the Christmas episode, the first ever Christmas episode. Of the art of touring in the bag. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, give it a bit of a share. What inches? What else you got to do on Christmas? You know, eat pudding and turkey. No, uh, share, share the uh, podcast for, for Sizz Dog. That'd be great. Use the hashtag art of touring podcast on Instagram and give us a follow at art of touring podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with me, please. Uh, you can email me, artoftouringpodcast at gmail.com, uh, or you can just send me a message on Instagram at artoftouringpodcast. You can listen to The Art of Turing on Wooshka, and you can download it on iTunes. If you've enjoyed this episode, uh, please take a moment to uh, give the podcast a rating um, on the podcast app on your phone and just write a short review. I think we're up to 15 reviews now, and we've done 36 episodes. So come on, Melbourne, get behind old mate Siriani. And write us a review, what ain't ya? Do it for Christmas. You'd be good at it. Now let's get into some plugs. The theme music for the art of touring is a song called "Start a Fire" by the Passouts, which is available to stream on Spotify or download on iTunes. You can grab the whole album, uh, the debut album by the Passouts, on all digital platforms. Uh, the album's called "Dead Technology," and uh, if you'd like to grab a physical copy of that said album on either CD or vinyl, we've got it in colored vinyl as well. Then go to the bus, the Passouts band dotbandcamp.com, where you can get all your merch needs, T-shirts, stickers, posters, and even skateboards. That's all for me this week. Before I go, I do have a shout-out, and that is to Chris Wall, who designed the artwork for the show. Happy, happy times to Chris Wall during this time of year and to everybody. You can follow him on Instagram uh, at Mr. Wall, spelt W-A-H-L. And big thanks also to my guest this week, Wolfie. Uh, you can follow his journey on Instagram, and I'm sure you'll be seeing him grace the stage of Melbourne and around the world for years to come. Behind that drum kit, that's all from me this week. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time for another episode of The Art of Doing with the Cis. Go, 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 oh, oh! go! Remember, this week's podcast was brought to you by Festivus, where tinsel is so distracting it's been banned in the Costanza household since the 70s. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of podcasts is because, yeah, you can kind of pick and choose and, and go, oh, well, I'm interested in this, so I'll happily spend an hour, hour and a half listening to this topic because yes, yep. I'm into it. Yeah. Whereas you speak to someone else, they go, I'm not into that. I'm into this. Oh, well, there's probably a podcast for you too. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. You know? So either I'm listening to music podcasts mm. uh, or, you know, things like Marin. Um yeah. m- One of my favourites is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast.
0: Oh, Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, yeah, that dude. He would they, be interesting. Yeah,
1: he's really good and he's got a sidekick who's very knowledgeable and they try and get guests on who've been in the movie industry for um, a long time, ah. for decades, so that they can go back and talk about... You know the early years of movie making, and, yeah, right. and they have music guests on as well, like Mickey Dolan's from The Monkees, and it's really cool. <sighs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, and they've done about two hundred and thirty-seven. Jeez, they're up to
0: yeah, yeah, they're up there now. Yeah, yeah. All right. So they've been going
1: for about four years, I think, four or five
0: years. Wow. Yeah. See that, and that's the thing. There is so many of them. Yes. You yes. like you can talk to someone like yourself who's into podcasts and discover a new podcast. Because yeah like I said there's just so many
1: there really is yeah, yeah the yeah. only disappointing thing about Marin and I've had to actually go on to torrent sites and download some you know before I got on the Marin train, which was only a couple of years ago, yeah. the beauty part is is torrent websites have all of the episodes because you know you can only oh, with go Marin, back so far yeah with Marin ah. yeah because um, I think you need to have an account with one of the companies to yeah he's got a page get access to, to the, the, his past ones yes yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I I've, I've haven't have gone back that far. I, I listened, I got into Marin around 2014, yeah. so the last four years. Yeah. And so I listened to the one, obviously, all the weeks leading up to the Barack Obama one. <laughs> and now yeah, we were saying, you know, oh, there were some snipers on the roof, you know, looking for perspectives of, you know, trouble spots in my neighborhood where people might be able to come and, you know, assassinate and all this shit. Yeah, listening to that. That was wild. Did you hear that one? I did hear that one, yeah. It was very enjoyable. So cool. And you can tell he's a little
1: bit overwhelmed by certain musicians as well. Yeah, general
0: fanboy kind of. Yes. When he
1: did the Keith and Springsteen ones, you could tell he was a little bit nervous. Yeah. But there are other ones where he did. um, One of my favourite episodes is Alice Cooper. That was just such a good episode. Yeah. It was.
0: He yep. was an interesting character. Yeah, the yeah. The born-again Christian stuff and yes, all that. Yeah, Really yeah. cool. And his, um, was it the guy from Twisted Sister? They have like D a... Dee yeah. Snider. Dee Snider, they have a, a friendship or whatever. Yes,
1: yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a the Marilyn Manson one as well, where he kind of <laughs> prefaced it by saying, you know, uh, he got progressively drunker as the interview went on. So yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm not sure about the tale. Um, and there was the one that he did with Harry Dean Stanton, where what he thought, a uh, very famous actor. You know you know him if you saw him. Uh, okay. He's, he's passed away now. Yeah, but yeah. um Yeah, he kind of prefaced that one by saying, oh, he didn't really give me much. But it was
0: a good interview. Yeah. yeah,
1: It was it was still cool.
0: Sometimes he is a little bit too self-deprecating. He's like, oh, this was a bit... And then you listen to it and you're like, Mark, it's fine. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't, don't worry about it.
1: And the podcast, his podcast has really been responsible for... Elevating his career in general because, Mm. I mean, he talks a lot about being bitter about not getting on Saturday Night Live. And remember, he he had the two-parter with Lorne Michaels. Yeah, that was cool. And then, um, you know, he obviously had his problems with drugs and he was in that stand-up comedy scene of the 80s. Yeah. But you can tell he felt like a failed... A failed comedian. Yeah. And then he does his podcast and suddenly he's actually had a career he never envisaged because then mm. from that, he's back on television now. and
0: Yeah, and on the road touring. Uh, yeah. Selling out everywhere he goes. Yeah. He did come out here, I think, last year, but the tickets were just too expensive. I couldn't afford yeah, it how much at that it? time. They were like one seventy or something. Wow. Yeah, they were pretty pretty up there. That's steep. Yeah, yeah, just to be there. So... Maybe next time he comes out, I'll save up to go. Because I would like to see him. It would be good, yeah. Have you seen his show on Netflix? The, um, I haven't no? seen
1: that, no. Is it good?
0: It is. It's good, yeah. yeah. If you like the podcast and his kind of humour, yeah. um, it's basically like a, um, a, a hype, hyped-up version of his own persona. Right. So he goes through a, there's a part in it where he goes through a drug the, um, rehab and he goes into relapse and everything. All and right. He finds comedy and all that stuff, parts of his life, and puts it into like a, a current of a current Mark Maron kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, it was it was good, and and he even has his podcast in the show. Okay. Like a comic, so he'll he'll you know the the garage will close and like on on the opening credits and like he'll <laughs> he'll start some pod some episodes with him you know doing an interview with a guest. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's cool. So there you go. It's amazing to think that something can get can be so niche in the early stage, and then it's just evolved into this thing that is yeah. That, Yeah, um, because there's, like, The Nerdist as well. That's another cool podcast. Oh,
0: yeah, I went off The Nerdist. I found, like, it was a bit... Like, those guys, they they do... They they get on a riff, a comedy riff, and they all try to outdo each other. Yeah, right. And they get a little bit too distracted by riffing and not actually interviewing the guest. Yeah, I hear you. Sometimes. So, yeah, I did enjoy Chris Hardwick for a while and The Nerdist and I think now it's called Idiot or something or 1-D-I-T-O-T or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, But, um... Yeah, that was the only thing that kind of put me off his was that, yeah, like they kind of kept trying to outdo each other a bit too yeah. much and kind of distracted from. And a lot of the time, he gets a lot of the same guys that Mark does. That's the thing. You know yeah. It's mean? so like, well, yeah. I might well just listen to Mark one, Mark's yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. But they got McCartney
1: really early. And I remember them saying at the start of it, before the interview began, like, you know, I can't believe that we're interviewing Paul McCartney for this podcast that just yeah. started out. In this small room with the two of us, just yeah, just saying, wouldn't it be cool if we did a
0: podcast? And yeah, and then they get Paul, Paul McCartney, and it's like, well, you never know if you don't ask, you know. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good, man. That's a good bit of banter. I'm sure we'll I'll be able to splice a little bit of um, joy from that and. Pop, pop it at the end as like a little that easter egg yeah, yeah that's yeah. cool yeah yeah so um so that's good and i've never really done usually it's more of a comedic one but that one's good because we're just kind of nerding out on podcasts yeah, yeah. so that, that works that works
1: i love that you um do the this show is presented by and then you do an ad that you've made up oh
0: yeah <laughs> yeah For
1: the first time i listened to your podcast i thought oh he's already got a sponsor that's all right and then it kicked in and i'm like oh here we go <laughs> here
0: we go yeah, it's just pisser. made up yeah. yeah it's the challenge of trying to think of one every week. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: like what, what if you can't think of one one yeah, week?
0: Yeah, That's let see. Well, I've got a whole week to think of it. And so usually, but usually, even though I have the whole week, I actually um, usually think of it on the day or even just like while I'm putting it together. Like the one for, for the one I'm doing for episode 34, um, which will, people have already heard if, if I've used this little bit as an Easter egg, um, was for Charles Barkley's um, uh, etiquette school. Because... <laughs> <laughs> 34 is his number, and episode 34. Ah, so I'm like, uh, I'll use that for him because, like you it. know, he was notorious for not having very good basketball etiquette. So, yeah. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, That's great. All right. Well, we'll get stuck Let's into do it. it. Yeah.